Otherwise, on SAFM. Never a dull moment in South Africa. Very good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Youth today on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. Hazel Makuzeni produces the show. And Lenovo Fani is our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, it's Youth Month, and Kenny Morolong of the National Youth Development Agency talks to us about their programs for June. In fact, they launched uh, Youth Month on the 1st of June. He'll talk to us more about that. Fike Shabalala of Brothers for All Coding Academy explains how they respond to the youth unemployment and ex-offenders who are also unemployed, and that's a great challenge, but they've got just the, the plan to ease that, that challenge. Jillian Londis, a family law specialist, talks to us about how to deal with immigration after divorce and the effects it has on children. And finally, we invite you to support the SAFM Gift of the Givers Winter Warmer Project with Emily Thomas. But first, our lunch bite for today. Now, past generations had the luxury and support of extended families. Grandparents were around and often found meaning in sharing stories about their life and times. As children sat listening, their parents felt the warm glow of recognition and familiarity and chuckled inwardly as old tales were told and retold. But now many of us are isolated from extended family, or we don't have the time for family. We are in it, we we are it for our children. We have to be past, present and guides to the future. And this is exhausting. In Hawaii, people always take time to talk story. So we can learn something from them. Otherwise, on SAFM. So um, on the 11th of June, we'll see a a film launch. It's called We Code at the District 6 Museum. But uh, National Coordinator for Brothers for All, Sita Shabalala, uh, joins us now. They they work with with ex-offenders and young people and unemployed on 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 com- and as computer programmers using innovative models of skills and leadership development, he joins me now on the phone. Sisle, hello. Uh, hello, Mamusato, um, and good afternoon to SSM listeners. Good afternoon, Sisle. I'm 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 very interested in the Brothers for All um, uh, Brothers for All Coding Academy. Just give us some background, please. Um, Brothers for All is a non-profit which was founded um, by me and a couple of friends whom I met while I was still in prison. And um, it was a continuation from a prisoner successful project called The Group of Hope. And um, because now we came out wanting now to do something constructive and still continue doing the good work that we were doing inside prison, then Brothers for All was a best of it. Um, knowing my background, or if you don't know my background, I've been in prison for 11 years. It's been two years now since I've been released. And and uh, do you want to tell me what you were in prison for? I was in prison for robbery. Um, it was a robbery that took place in Sea Point, which was a bottle store mm. back in 2002, early in January. Mm. Mm. So what sort of program did you embark on in prison that gave you the inspiration for Brothers for All? Um, in prison, I met a group of guys who were um, 
who founded now a prisoner initiated project called the Group of Hope. It was an idea that came out of prisoners because, I mean, they wanted to use their time constructively and also give back. Mm. So these group of guys came together and wanted, firstly now, their main objective was to educate fellow inmates about HIV mm. because at that time the HIV prevalence was skyrocketing, especially now in prison. Mm. As you know that now we do have prison gangs in prison called 26, 27 and the 28. Mm. And the 28 uses sex now as part of their ritual. So the spread for HIV was devastating now in prison. Mm. So they wanted to raise awareness and also now educate fellow inmates about HIV prevention and also support those that have already contracted now the virus. So the, the project grow, grew from one project to seven projects, even them having to adopt HIV and AIDS offerings from the outside community of Worcester and also starting a gardening project, adoption project, and also a schooling project mm. to look after the HIV and AIDS offerings. Mm. I'm so glad you learned from that because then you came out two years ago and started Brothers for All Coding Academy where you are training ex-offenders and other unemployed young people. But how did you manage to organize that and put it together? I mean, you came out of prison with no money, I take it, and no other resources. And, you know, what did it take for you to put this program together? Um, Pleasure and love. And what most importantly focus, because in South Africa we have the highest recidivism rate. Over 80% of offenders they reoffend and go back to prison. Mm. Because the main challenge is that now we don't have systems in place um, for support and also to ensure that now reintegration takes place now successfully. So I didn't want it to be a part of another statistic or the, uh, the kind of used to be that people are quite acquainted with. Mm. I wanted to do something constructive. I, I, really, I came out with all this energy, with all this with wealth of wisdom that I've attained now inside prison, and I wanted to contribute. I was born and raised in this township called Langa, which now the whole pilot is taking place. Mm. And I started school at the age of four, finished school at the age of 16, had nothing to do, no aspirations to go to university. That's where now my life went now from starting doing business properties to catch and traumatize. So I was quite successful because, I mean, in two years, I was able now to own two cars, renting an apartment mm. out of the township mm. in the city, wearing expensive designer clothes, living mm. a very high life. Mm. But then reality kicked in, age 19, got arrested and went to prison mm. for living. Mm. So coming out then, obviously, you, you then started, you'd learned a lot, and I'm so happy to hear that you learned so much more uh, and got inspired from b- behind the cells. Um, how did you then start uh, encouraging ex-offenders to join your Brothers for All Coding Academy? And how does it work? And who is part of it at the moment? Um, just to give a kind of a natural, uh, um, quick um, um, explanation, I'm a self-taught programmer. I never had any formal training on how to code. And I used online platforms now to teach myself programming. Mm -hmm. Then I saw that if I can be able now to do it, because coding is a BSc computer science curriculum, which is mainly done at university. Mm -hmm. And I saw that now if I can be able now to do it, it means also now these guys now, well, born in the township, same as me, with minimal education, can be able now to do it. Because, I mean, um, it's always an entry requirement at university that you must have medicine science now for you to access now 
computer science degrees, mm-hmm. and of which I believe that now coding is for everyone, whether you have math, whether you have science, as long as you have the drive and the commitment, you can learn how to code. Mm-hmm. So through that now, I then now started now to invite now the youth of Langa, which grew now, not only focusing on the youth of Langa, but also now other youth from Kylie, Chaffee, who started now to come and head of what we were doing. And in, in so doing, the project it just flourished. Um, we've seen now 32 weeks that we've started in our piloting Langa. We have managed to sign up over 170 students with 60 of them that are regulars. And we have over 10 of them now that are part of an apprenticeship program, which is called the Project Coder, which is based now in Waterfront. Mm-hmm. One of the co-founders now is a former TV producer of Bloomberg in New York and also the former CEO of S&P Michael Sachs. Yeah, no, I, I've spoken to them before, and I know they're doing some amazing work. So um, I, I need to know how, um, you know, what are we going to see in this movie? Is the movie, uh, the film that you're launching on the 11th of June, is it is it about your story? What is it about? The movie addresses many issues. As um, um, brother for all, only not only work now inside prison and also with ex-offenders, but we also work with unemployed youth, teenage mothers, vulnerable children. And the, the movie is about all these stories because, I mean, we don't only address issues of poverty. We don't only address issues of unemployment, but we also address um, issues of um, um, HIV and AIDS. Mm. We also address issues now of crime in our community. So it's a multifaceted kind of an approach, and we use coding in order to address all these issues because, I mean, just in the Western province alone, there's over 26,000 unfilled programming posts. So there is a huge demand now for programmers. And what is good about programming is that now you can do overseas work while you are sitting right in the center of Langa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's an amazing approach in terms of what is it that now we can do that can really shape this country's economy and also now what is that now we can do now in order to address all the social issues in our communities. Sike, you know, I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm just jealous that you're sitting in the Western Cape where we have this issue all over the country of young people who are unemployed and end up as, as criminals and end up behind bars. Um, if you could talk to somebody, and I, I don't know who that person would be, maybe you must tell me, uh, if you could talk to somebody to help us uh, speed up uh, your, your your program and, 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 and get us to other parts of the country, but also just is, for you to be talking to young people who are even probably considering the life of crime as an alternative. Hmm. Um, you know, I always see that now grassroots or um, programs or executives or whoever, leaders in the communities, for me, those are very much people that are very much important because if now we want to approach this nationally, it will really take so much time now for us now to get into the beneficiaries themselves. So Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person that believes in a bottom-to-top approach, not the top-to-bottom approach. Mm -hmm. So... So I take it, you, you, you know, I suppose with the work that you're doing, it'll spread organically if it does. 
Um, but I, I really am, am jealously wanting you to, because, you know, leaders, when we talk of leadership in this country, we're talking of older people. And I don't think we as older people have all the answers. There you were, who you know, from prison, and you came up with, with, with wonderful results, and you're affecting so many other young people. So, you know, talk, I want you to be saying something to a young person who's sitting out there listening to us right now, and give them the encouragement because even the movies only showing in, 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 in the Western Cape and I'm not too sure if it can go around the country also to be shown to other young people. In South, in South Africa we have this principle where people should wake up and do it for themselves. And in spending eleven years in prison I come out and I realize that now nothing much has changed in our communities. And I believe that now youth themselves are instrumental in terms of job creation and we need to start thinking entrepreneurial because I believe that now our government cannot create um, jobs now for over 50 million people that we have in this country. Mm. So we need to think entrepreneurial and coding provides us with such opportunities. Just yesterday we hosted young the young global leaders here at the Center Forum from the World Economic Forum and I told them that you know what is important, why? I teach also coding in prison because in prison, 54% of SA prisoners are in prison for economical crimes. Mm -hmm. And if you are looking for people that would really shake this country's economy, you have them in prison. It's just that they chose the wrong product Mm -hmm. because prisoners, they know how to hustle. And firstly, and secondly, they are not scared of taking risks. So these are the type of people that are going to come out there and set up tech businesses that will create employment opportunities for other people. It's the same applies when it comes to what we are doing here in the, in, the, in, in the township. So it is very much important that now we don't now come with skills or problems or innovations or solutions that now would again make people to go out and seek employment because there is none. So we need to start creating our own employment opportunities. Sihle, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I really am. I'm very inspired as well. How do people get hold of you? Um, you can get hold of me via mobile. It's 074-375-3767. Or you can just drop me a mail at sihle at brothersforall.org. And you have a website as well? Yes, that's www.brothersforall.org. All the best, Sisha. We'll be in touch, eh? Thank you. Thank Stay you very up. much for talking to us. Wow. The, if you're in Cape Town, the movie is on the 11th. Uh, it's called We Code. It's at the District 6 Museum, which is in Baytown Street, and it's between 6 and 8 o'clock. And if you want to uh, know more about the movie, it's uh, linda.scott at mothersforall.org. Otherwise, you may find Sihle at Sihle, S-I-H-L-E, at brothersforall.org. And their, their, their website is also brothersforall.org. And I, I, I don't usually encourage people to give cell phone numbers, but I know Sihle can handle it, and it's only for a good cause. So 074-375-3767. Coming back to talk to Kenny Moronong of the NYDA after this. Sick of always missing your favorite SAFM shows? Well, now you don't have to. 
We have a free podcast service that allows you to access them directly from your cell phone, PC or tablet, whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. Go to safm.co.za and click on podcast. This takes you to the SAFM page on iono.fm. Follow at iono.fm on Twitter or like it on Facebook for regular updates. You never have to miss your favorite shows. SAFM podcast powered by iono.fm. Gadgets, apps, tech experts, cameras, Wi-Fi, broadband, Google Hangout, the cloud, data costs. I talk to the voices of tech media on Afternoon Talk, Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest is Deputy Executive Chairperson of the NYDA, uh, Mr. Kenny Murolong. Welcome to Otherwise, Mr. Murolong. How are you? Remorolong. Oopsie. I, I think we lost him. We lost him. Um, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get Hazel to get him again on the line. But later on, on the program, we'll be talking. You know, when you get the news that a former spouse wants to emigrate and take your children with them, it can be devastating. What are your rights, though, in this difficult situation? So Gillian Landis, a family law specialist and partner at Landis Lamini Attorneys, is going to talk to us about our rights and your rights, and most, most importantly, the children's rights as far as divorced couples are concerned and leaving the country. Uh, still to come up, Emily Thomas is a representative of the Gift of the Givers, and SAFM has joined hands with the Gift of the Givers Winter Warmer Project, uh, which started in 2004, and we catch up with uh, with them today, with Emily specifically. They are headed to Soweto. There's a school in Duve uh, where they are where they are giving out uh, soup and they're giving out blankets and other items that will come in handy during the upcoming cold winter months. I say upcoming, it's in Cape Town already, but I know um, up north it's still not there yet. But what's most interesting about the school they've chosen to go to today is a school I went to as a child. We'll tell you more about that. Kenny Morolong is on the line. Hello, Kenny. Shadow, hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Yourself? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And, and thank you so much for joining us. I see you launched uh, Youth Month 2015 in Soweto, specifically at the Hector Peterson Memorial. And I just wondered if, uh, if, if you were trying to send a message to young people today, what can they learn from the youth of 76? Well, thank you very much. We indeed launched the Youth Month at Hector Peterson Memorial. You'd know that uh, it is a museum a block away from where Hector Peterson, the first victim of June 16th, Children's Uprising, mm-hmm. lost uh, his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do so every year so that we remind ourselves of the heroism and gallantry of the class of 1976. The young people who uh, would have sat idle and uh, relegated and delegated the struggle to parents, uh, teachers or others only. Mm. But they didn't. They chose to be proactive. They fought for the for against the introduction of apartheid as a medium of instruction, but they also fought against the ban- uh, inferior boundary education. Mm. And so in their quest towards uh, their struggles, they uh, sought to liberate uh, the oppressed uh, people of South Africa. And so uh, in our journey uh, that we are traversing as NYTA, we, we, we always remind ourselves uh, where we come from. 
and and I think uh, going to Soweto is an indicative parameter uh, of the value that we attach to the struggles of the class of 1970 and many other uh, generations of young people. You know that, uh, and this is that you are always a spouse, that these young people will change the course of history. Uh, not just young people in the 70s, but young people in the 40s who stood up uh, against the brutality of apartheid to end the deputations who would have, uh, through a program of action adopted in 1949, propelled for the defiance campaign. Um, and so we must celebrate these, the, the gains. We must celebrate the heroism of the youth. We must uh, celebrate their gallantry. We must, uh, uh, we must know and observe the trajectory of uh, heroism of uh, youth leadership. Now, Kenny, I asked what we, what we can learn or what how we can use that knowledge and that gallantry that you you celebrate. You say we must celebrate to address uh, the issues that are challenging the youth today, specifically unemployment, but also, um, you, you know, yeah, maybe we don't have a cause or is unemployment the cause? Because you know what happened in 1976 was against a cause. They needed to overthrow uh, the medium, uh, the, the, the then government, and of course against uh, the medium of education. Do, would you say we have a cause and how we can use the same same kind of energy to, to apply to that cause today? We have a cause. I mean, uh, uh, young people are dominate, uh, dominant population cohort. Uh, we are going through, as a country, phenomenon of what is called youth pulse. Uh, our responsibility is to channel our energy into making sure that we convert that youth pulse into a democratic deal. And how do we do that? We do that by taking advantage of all the opportunities at our disposal. The, the National Youth Development Agency, which I represent today in your show, is, is a public entity established in terms of parliament to mainstream youth development across all sectors of South African society. Uh, we, what we do, amongst others, is that uh, uh, we propel a program of uh, economic participation where young people uh, are encouraged to take uh, part in the mainstream economy. And how do they do that? We, they do that by activities uh, which inter-alia includes a business grant program where we, we assist young people at the nascent and intentional level of business to, to, to start and, and expand their, their small businesses. Kenny, uh, Kenny I'm going to ask you to stay on the line, please, for one minute. We're taking news headlines and we're back talking to you, okay? Thank you so much. It is time for news headlines with Sir Utile Sako. Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest is Deputy Executive Chairperson of the NYDA, Mr. Kenny Morolong. Kenny, thank you for staying on the line. You were talking to us about uh, business grant programs as one of the programs uh, out there to assist the youth. That is one of the programs where we help young people, as I said, who are at an intentional and nation level of business with a grant of 1,000 rand to 100,000 rand. But we also have a tripartite arrangement uh, with uh, uh, Industrial Development Corporation, IPC, and Small Enterprise Finance Agency both of which have set aside over $2 billion in the next five years towards youth entrepreneurship support. Mm-hmm. And so we would encourage young people to take advantage of these opportunities because it is only through young people who are economically active that we can be able to defeat the scale of poverty, inequality, and unemployment. It is also through the activism of young people in the economic space uh, that we can be able to create uh, employment opportunities for young people. I mean, we've got 13 million young South Africans who are economically active and what is currently Discourage job seekers 
we have a responsibility to turn the tide. And the only way we can do that is that is if we have cooperation of these young people who do not just complain and moan about uh, absent opportunities, but do grab opportunities that are that, that, that disposal. For us, this is one way of uh, propelling the agenda of economic uh, transformation. You, you can't do that if young people themselves are not active citizens. How accessible are these programs and how do the young people get to know about them? Because everyone knows the NYDA is there and I suppose you can go into the website and find out all the, the work they do. But how, how are you engaging these young people to participate in those programs? So one of the, our main activities is that, uh, and that we have engaged in since our inception as a board two years ago, is to go out there and speak to young people to our outreach programs. Uh, our passion is to engage young people through youth dialogues. We're able to sit down with young people, expose them to our, to our products and services, give them an opportunity to ask us the most difficult of questions about those products and services, and give them, a, them an opportunity to criticize the NYDA constructively, mm. you know, about its inability to, to reach out to more young people or about the, uh, the friendliness of, uh, the, of the NYDA programs. And so that's what we are doing. They can still also access the NYDA through the NYDA uh, uh, website, uh, which is www.nyda.gov.za, www.nyda.gov.za. But, but I can tell you, we also have a footprint of uh, about 14 branches throughout the country. We call them branches, but in the main, they are uh, service points, strategic service points where young people can access NYDA can mm-hmm. access this product and say, a young person, let me make an example. A young person gets into an NYDA branch. Uh, he does not have a business. We help them establish a business. He does not have a business plan. We help them with a business plan. Uh, we fund that business plan. Mm-hmm. From there, we attach a mentor to them. From there, we link them to a market. Mm-hmm. So a young person dream can be realized just by entering an NYDA office. And this is uh, at no cost to that young person. Okay, okay. And I know you've got two programs coming up uh, on the 19th of June, a, a youth and business forum. And of course, um, there's something you, you're very excited about, which you're launching on the 25th of June. Can you tell us about that, that research? The, 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 the Research Institute with UJ, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is indeed a body of uh, research where the NYDA has established this research institute, uh, new development research institute, so that we can then be able to collect information which will guide our approach towards development. So the intention thereof is to actually engage with research on matters of youth development, be able to, uh, to, to get proper information on the needs of young people, on, on, their, on the desires of young people, on their aspirations and on, possi- on possible solutions which we can employ to address daunting challenges facing the youth of our country. Mm-hmm. And that's being launched on the 21st and then on the 19th of June 2015 you have your Youth in Business Forum which is taking place in the Eastern Cape. But all that information is on your website, right Kenny? It is on our website. The entire June month calendar is on the website. We urge young people, especially uh, in different provinces where these activities are taking place, to really come there um, and and be able to access information on our product and services. We want them to come there so that they are fully appraised with the product and services of the NYD and so that they can use this information to empower them and be able to change their lives and sustain their livelihoods. I so thank you for your time, Kenny, and all the best with all your programs. And keep us posted on on stuff that you need us to to let young people know about, okay?
Thank you very much, Thank you so much. That is Kenny Morolong, Deputy Executive Chairperson of the NYDA Board, and uh, their website is uh, www.nyda.gov.za. If you're a young person anywhere in the country, do walk into the NYDA offices, find out what they do and how they can help you. Coming back to talk to Gillian Landis, Family Law Specialist and Partner at Landis Lamini Attorneys. Otherwise, on SAFM. Immigration after divorce, what about the kids? Gillian Landis joined us now. She's a family law specialist and partner at Landis, Dominion Attorneys. Hello, Gillian. Is Landis the right way to say it? It's a, it's a jolly good attempt. It's a strange name, and the E is silent, so you actually say it Lowndes. Lowndes. You lose the B and the E. Oh, wow. I've been battling with it all morning, but I thought I'll just, you know, give it, <laughs> give it a shot anyway. How it's are you? Strange, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Now, Gillian, divorce is a tough act as it is, and when it has children, it becomes more difficult why are the lines blurred usually as far as access and responsibility uh, for children as, as, as listed in the Children's Act? Why is it so complicated for people to understand? You know, Shada, there's so many responsibilities, bundles of responsibilities and rights that go together with being a parent. You know, if you want to do anything in this life, whether it's fly a plane, practice law, whatever it is that you do, you have to have a degree, you have to go and study, you have to go to tech. Um, but to be a parent, well, we all know what that takes. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately, the regulations in our country are fantastic. Our law is wonderful. But the implementation mm. of those laws often becomes tricky. So, you know, one of the worst situations that I ever have to deal with is where a parent, whether I'm asking for the relocating parent or the parent who's staying behind, where following a divorce or the breakdown of a relationship, a parent decides that the past is greener elsewhere, they want to leave the Republic of South Africa, and if they're the primary resident parent, that means the children live with them on a primary basis, mm-hmm. they'd, like, they'd like to take those children with them wherever it is they're going, whether they're going to Hong Kong, whether they're going to London. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the main difficulty with that kind of situation is the Children's Act, as wonderful as it is, and it really is a great piece of legislation, is silent on relocation. Mm-hmm. So each case has to be decided on its facts. And it's never really a situation where you find yourself sitting down around a table and negotiating a happy ending because there's always an unhappy ending for the parent who's left behind. So uh, am I hearing you, if, if the parent is, is the one who lives with the children, the primary caregiver, I take it, yes. um, does that mean the other parent doesn't have equal rights because the children physically live with this one parent? Not at all. So the Children's Act provides that both parents now have equal responsibilities and rights if they were married at the time um, that the child was conceived and born. And also, obviously, unmarried fathers also have wonderful rights in terms of the Children's Act, but we don't have time to get into that. Mm. But if you are a guardian of the child, which means you have the right of guardianship in respect of the child, which you obtain automatically if you're married to the mother of the child as a father, Mm. and you do also obtain automatically in certain situations even if you're unmarried, What that entails is you have to consent to the removal of the child from the Republic of South Africa as Mm -hmm. a guardian. So here you've got a mom and a dad. Mom says the children reside with me on a permanent or a primary basis, 
and I have decided I've met somebody, he's a Londoner, for example, mm. and I'd like to move to London with him, and I'm taking the children with me. Mm. She cannot go until she has the clear and equivocal consent of the father. Okay. Okay. And in most instances, in most instances, where a parent has a close relationship with a child, of course they're going to say, please don't go. I'm not giving you the consent. A Skype relationship or um, a relationship where I get to visit the child maybe twice a year or they come to South Africa is it's just not going to cut it for me. I don't give you consent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and do the children have any say in this? Very much so. Another great piece of legislation, the Children's Act again provides that all children in any matter which affects their well-being and in any major decision which involves them have to have the right to be heard. And then their views and wishes obviously have to be weighted according to their age, their maturity, their stage mm. of development. You can't take a, a five-year-old say-so as to what they want in life. Mm. But, you know, when you're getting a child who's 16, child who's 15, child who's 14 but very mature, obviously the weighting is far greater with the older children. However, even with the littlies, even with your young children, you can still what's known as a... Um, a child's wishes or a child's view interview. You can you can ascertain what it is that that child would like, even if it's just observing the relationship between the child and the parent who's going to stay behind, um, observing the way the child draws a picture. You know, you there are specialist psychologists and therapists in in South Africa who perform these interviews, and they will give you a sense of what it is that the child wants. So it's very important to obtain the, 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 the child's wishes. And also for the courts, the courts will always look at what's in the children's best interest. Mm, and there's mm. a list. There's actually a list set out in the Act. It's Section 7 of the Act. And it, it sets out criteria that must be looked at when making a decision as to a child's well-being. Now, should, should you have a naughty ex, ex-husband or wife who then decides to leave the country without your consent? What's, what's the recourse? Well, it depends where they're going. So there is, um, there is legislation known as the Hague Convention. Um, it's a very long word. I'll give it to you if you want it. But it's basically the Hague Convention on International Abduction. And... There are many, many member countries, countries who have signed the Hague Convention. South Africa is one of them. Um, Australia is another, and most of Europe and the UK, um, the Far East. So effectively, in a situation where a parent manages to get an unabridged birth certificate, a parent manages to get passports, and a parent manages to get out of the country with the children, you can then bring what's known as a proceeding, an application in terms of the Hague Convention on International Child Abduction. It's a very quick process. The family advocate sits as the central authority in South Africa, and there are um, central authorities all over the world with the member countries. And all that court will look at is what was the child's habitual residence before they left. Where were they residing ordinarily mm-hmm. before they were removed from the Republic? And was there any consent? Was consent obtained? And was there a breach of a parental right mm. in removing the children? That it is that narrow. The child will make uh, the court, sorry, will make a decision as to where the child was habitually resident. Was there a breach of consent? Was consent obtained? If not, back you go. They will give an order. You will have to get on a plane, return with the children. And the purpose behind the Hague Convention is to ensure that the court that has jurisdiction and is best placed to decide on the merits 
will then make the decision. And I actually had a case very, very recently where I was acting for a young Australian mother who was brought back to South Africa in accordance with Hague Convention proceedings in the Family Court of Australia. Um, and the narrow inquiry was held. She was brought back to South Africa, and we then brought a relocation application. So the court, you're not prejudiced by the fact that you've been told to come back. Mm-hmm. The court then has to decide, they know, though, what are the facts. Should well, you have been entitled to leave in the first place, and you can't be prejudiced by the fact that you left and you're now back. The court has to decide whether or not it's in the best interest of those children to return to Australia. It's such a huge but very important subject, and I hope Gillian will give, may we give your email and details so people can contact you directly if they need some more advice? Yes, absolutely. Please do so. I'm more than happy. It's just my name, Gillian, with a G, at Lance, that funny surname, <laughs> L-O-W-N-D-E-S, dot Cosa. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to us. I hope we talk again soon. Thank you, Gillian. Sorry, oh. Shadow, the line's fading in and out. I'm sorry. I don't know whether it's from my side or yours. Okay. Um, All right. But, yes, please. but thank you so much. We'll talk soon I'm more again. I'm happy to drop a line to anyone who needs help. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's Gillian with a G at Lowndes, L-O-W-N for nearly D-E-S, dot C-O dot Z-A. Uh, you, you can also uh, follow her. She's got a blog, divorce, divorce Attorney, Joburg, dot C-O dot Z-A. Now, let's find out where SAFM and uh, Gift of the Givers are uh, with the Winter Warm-Up Project. Uh, Emily's on the line. Hello, Emily. Hello. Hi. Are you at my old school? I believe it's your old school. It is my it's old school. It's primary school. Yes, that was my first school ever. Oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> so tell me, um, are you giving soup to the children? What else? Actually, we're actually giving them like a mint stew with rice. Wow. And we're giving them blankets. And we're giving them a hygiene pack with a container of a toothbrush, face soap, um, shampoo, to take home with them. And we also, what we're doing is, because the school don't have an assembly point, we're actually laying a foundation for to put up an assembly point oh, for the school. Wow. Listen, what can we do to assist uh, you and, you know, Gift of the Givers on this project? I know lots of people that have been asking, you know, they, they didn't know you were doing this. You do this every Wednesday, right, at different schools around the country? Not not just at schools, we do it we do it in, in institutes and in the communities as well. But we've just identified Wednesdays to go out into the communities or to schools wherever there's a need to go and hand out. We call it Operation Snowball. Operation Snowball. So how can we uh, how can we help Operation Snowball continue? I mean, can we bring blankets to give you a gift of give us what can we do? You can. You can definitely bring blankets to, to give to us. Also, if people want to purchase a blanket, the blanket is purchased at 60 rand. The money can be paid directly into the gift of the giver's account, of which our account details is on our website. If you go to www.giftofthegivers.org, you will find all of these banking details on there. Oh, I wish I was there with you. Say hello to whoever it's those children awesome are. It's such a cold day, and I think it's just my ideal to give each child a blanket today. Oh, stunning. Well done. We'll keep on uh, inviting people to, to, to support you on, 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 this, on this winter warmer project. And, and thank you so much for going to my old school. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Emily.
Thanks. Bye. So this is how you can help. Go to the website, giftofthegivers.org. Every Wednesday, they, they, they go out to communities and give uh, blankets, uh, soups, and other items that will come in handy during the cold winter months. Talking about children, it is time for our children's story, Zangibad.